Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of World Forge. How hello, you doing? Hello. How you doing, Piper, this Hi, week? I'm doing pretty good, Sam. Yeah. How are you? I'm very good. This is a another fun holiday-themed episode here because it is that most blessed day of dads, uh, mm-hmm. Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, right now it's not Father's Day. Tomorrow it's Father's Day. And or if you're listening to this, yesterday's in Father's the past, Day. In the it's past, it's Father's Day. It is, it's like Schrodinger's <laughs> Father's Day. It is simultaneously uh, before and after Father's Day. Well, you know, Sam, fathers <laughs> may come and fathers may go, but they will be in our hearts forever. That's a very beautiful, Piper. Thank you. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, that's all that really needs to be said about the matter, I think. So, okay, uh, <laughs> episode's done now. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think so. Uh, Father's Day is this past Sunday. It's Father's Day week. Dads can get a whole week, right? They deserve it. But also, uh, I think uh, this is on topic. This is a, a dad-like thing. It was also the release date of The Last of Us Two this past Friday, which is very daddy-themed. Yeah. Uh, which it's got that best of dads. It does have that 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 good good Joel dad energy. Oh, um, Joel. That flannel dad. I. Um, we are not going to get into any spoilers, nope, uh, with The Last of Us. Rude. No, no, that would be very rude, but we've been enjoying it very much. Uh, it, despite the fact that it came heralded by much controversy, which, uh, we, we will talk about that a little bit later in the episode here. Uh, we've really been enjoying it. And so we thought it would be kind of fun to channel some of that specific dad energy and talk about, um, sort of father and child journeys, yeah. uh, across country or into, the hearts and minds of children everywhere. Yeah. I don't know. Is that what dads do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think oftentimes I feel like when you find plots that are specific to a father-child relationship, it's sometimes mirrored by a long actual journey, but it's also yes. almost always about the internal, um, you know, bonds and yeah, connections growth and, and things like yeah. that. It's a, they're usually very internal plots, which is what I really like about them. Certainly, and yeah, and we kind of debated, you know, for Mother's Day we did our Matrix episode, and we thought it would be kind of boring just to do an episode about patriarchs. That would be, you know, basically the same thing, but but dads instead. So well, we thought this would be a little more interesting to put an adventure onto it too. Exactly, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's a little less interesting to just come up with a powerful man, since yeah. it's like we have plenty of those, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we are going to be talking about a lot of different sort of dadisms. Uh, we'll be talking about wearing white sneakers. Uh, we'll be talking about spending way less money on things than really you should. Yeah. We'll be talking about mowing lawns. Oh my God. Uh, all, all those classic <laughs> traits of, of a good father figure. And we don't mean the creepy George Michael song. No, I mean... God, no. We were singing that earlier <laughs> in, in getting ready for this today's episode. Yes, um, yes. First early uh 
rec room, go into it oh, being warned. Uh, just put on um, George Michael's father figure in the background while oh, you're listening to this. Yikes. Just play it on yeah. loop um, until it warms its way into your head and you wake up at three in the morning singing the song and feeling horrible about it, yourself. Yeah, if you want to give yourself PTSD at just the idea of dads, mm, uh, yes. <laughs> that's a great way to do it. I'm trying to think. I think, Sam, it was either with, uh, I think it was with our friend Maya, who's actually on the show um, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, on but, our Prison Break episode and our Harry Potter episode, yes, I believe. Uh, yes, frequent guest Maya. Um, we, She and I were talking about that song because we both love it, even though it's a piece of shit song. <laughs> and we started singing it and dancing to it together. And you were like pulling your hair out. You're like, this needs to stop. I hate this oh, so yeah, much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were just like, we're like, we know it makes your skin crawl. We're going to sing this at you. <laughs> I think this was also well. I was starting to get the podcast equipment set up. So the studio is being set up, which is like historically the worst time to talk to me or make noise around me about anything because I'm trying to do things. Important things, Piper. Important oh, yes. business is Very being conducted. Very important things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that song is terrible uh, and uh, creepy and gross. And if you want to have a creepy, terrible, gross day, go listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> it has the benefit of having a really catchy uh, like main course. Yeah, it's George um, Michael. So, main you know. course. That's what, what am I looking for? That's the, what, the bridge? The, no. The little like tune, the, little melody. The melody. Yeah, is that, little melody. Is that what it's called? The main bit? Sure. Neither of us <laughs> we are musicians. We don't know music. Yeah. But um, we, it, it's a hook. That's what it's got. It's got a hook. <laughs> okay, um, sure. So uh, we are going to be creating a father and child sort of duo here. Yeah. We'll be talking about a fun adventure that they go on, uh-huh. and we might be throwing in some wrenches into the works here and, yeah. and just kind of see where they end up and what types of obstacles might get in their path. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, yep. we have some wonderful examples of both good and bad dads. God, we have um, so many dads. Yeah, it's like full on like daddy hour here. We we were <laughs> we were both trying to come up with our sources of inspiration for this and we I have like 15 dads here and uh, i think we're not gonna subject you to listening <laughs> us talk about all of them but uh, we're, we're each gonna go over a few and then maybe each of us just do sort of a little lightning round because oh a lot of these really feel for me a lot of them are the same sort of archetype yeah. you know it's just sort of presented in a little bit of a different wrapping yeah but uh, i think that si- sort of um speaks to the strength of that trope a little bit how oh, definitely. It, it's so common and it, it, it just shows up everywhere oh totally i feel like if we were ever to do a spin-off podcast apart from uh the what we've talked about the other night of us yes, doing just yes. like tearing apart like disney movies um it would have to be a uh daddy knows best <laughs> podcast <laughs> Daddy knows best every podcast. episode we just talk about a different fictional daddy oh my god <laughs> why they're great i'm sort of loving this why they're bad (laughs) if you want to hear us uh start a podcast called daddy knows best where we just talk about dads in in (laughs) fiction uh please let us know reach out to us on twitter at world forge pod and uh if there's if there's call for that we'll make it happen maybe (laughs) maybe Maybe. Maybe we'll do like a fun little bonus episode or something about that it all depends on how Um, much you like it (laughs) yes but uh let's let's stick with the topic at hand here dads everywhere are so frustrated that we're we're dilly dallying and wasting our time exactly time is Uh, money yes time is money uh piper why don't you go ahead and give us your first example of a a dad here. Alrighty. Well, I have a huge list, like you said, and there are so many great dads <laughs> to choose from. I think I'm going to just read off the one that I wrote in the largest font, and that is uh, the Great Prince of the Forest, Ooh. who is the father of Bambi from Disney's animated movie. I love this. Thank a, you. A bit of an absentee father. Well, here's will. the thing. <laughs> so... 
Just like how in one of our recent episodes, I got to educate you and the audience on the beauty oh. and wonder of uh, Cinderella Three: A Twist in All Time. Right. Hold on, let me get my little let me get my little schoolboy yeah. cap on here. Okay, let me cool. get my pencil so I can start taking notes. You're all ready for all this. Right, I'm ready to be educated, Piper. Another fabulous uh, <laughs> Disney direct to DVD. This is actually. It's not a sequel or a prequel. It's an in-between cool, uh, if that makes any sense. Exactly. So in the original (laughs) Bambi movie, uh, you know, Bambi's mother dies. It's incredibly scarring for all of us as kids. Uh, His father comes and like does that amazing line where he's like, your mother can't be with you anymore. And then he goes off and then there's a time jump and we see him as like a young adult deer. And then his journey continues. The sequel, Bambi 2, uh, actually focuses on that time in between of him growing up and getting to work on his relationship with his father interesting it's, and they just didn't mention it all in the first movie well it's it's so <laughs> beautiful it's, it's beautifully animated it's great the great prince of the forest is voiced by uh patrick stewart so oh, cool. that already makes great. him incredible um deer are my favorite animals as anyone who knows me will know and so an entire movie just about this majestic stag who works on his relationship with his son is just so beautiful also, so there like, you go having not seen this this sounds like a rare example of a sequel or a pseudo sequel actually enhancing the original in some way which is crazy because you know this is a direct-to-dvd sequel of a movie that was out 50 years prior or something like that so that's actually really impressive and makes me very interested to see that also i'll gladly show it to you wonderful it's it's on the docket who also doesn't want patrick stewart as their dad that sounds great oh my gosh it's so good yeah so that's my first one (laughs) so i want to kind of look at then um you know thinking about patrick stewart as a dad Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of celebrities that i think would be fun to have as as a father um (laughs) and there's one actually in particular that kind of notoriously plays dads pretty often sort of low-key actually that's liam neeson um, oh, hell he yes. plays your dad in Fallout 3, although he is a little bit of a disappearing act in that one as well. Uh, he plays, obviously, Brian Mills in Taken, which is like the most dedicated dad of right. all time. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, that would be the dad that I think in any adventure setting, uh, he's who I would want as my dad. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't need, I don't need, uh, Wolverine as my dad or anything like that. I don't need somebody who's got a bunch of guns who can, you know, I, I, well, I guess Brian Mills has a bunch of guns, but he's a ton of guns. He's got the right set of skills to be a protective <laughs> dad, right? Um, and, Another great example that I love of him is in Kingdom of Heaven, um, where he plays kind of he plays kind of a bad dad. Actually, Um, he plays uh, Orlando Bloom's father. Who? Excuse you, Orlando Bloom and Onion. Orlando Bloom and Onion's father. Yes. Okay. So uh, call him by his Christian name. Yes. 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 Exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's an important theme in the movie, so we should probably start there, right? Um, Let me back up a little bit on this because for anyone who hasn't seen Kingdom of Heaven, it was a Ridley Scott follow up to Gladiator that, for whatever reason, was just like panned when it came out. I think it's a great movie. I actually really enjoy it a lot. I think it has a lot of really interesting discussions of sort of the nature of religion and faith and what goodness is and like how we are all sort of the stewards of our own soul. And I I think there's sort of this interesting, it's this journey that Orlando Bloom goes on basically that it started by his dad coming back from the Holy Land and saying, hey, there's a blacksmith in this town. I, I have to talk to him. The blacksmith is, is Orlando Bloom. And um Basically, he says, look, last time I was in France, I met your mother. I didn't, you know, force myself on her or anything, but we just kind of had like a one night fling. <laughs> He's like, that trust me, I didn't rape your mom. Like, like, oh, what? Totally. <laughs> um, 
But he he sort of says, like, I get it. I sucked as a dad. Like, I, you know, your mom got pregnant and then I just disappeared off to the Holy Island Crusade. I want to atone for that. I want to take you with me. I'm a, I'm a knight. You can have a better life with me than you could ever have here. And Orlando Bloom is basically just like, nah, I'm not interested in it. Um, and, uh, so he leaves. Mm-hmm. And after he leaves, Orlando Bloom commits a crime and ends up having to flee the city. And he goes and finds his dad. And his dad basically is immediately like, yeah, you're my son. I'll stand up for you when the police, you know, the, the constables or whatever come for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Neeson ends up getting shot with an arrow and dies. And on his deathbed, he's really? like, he's like, well, this is, yeah, okay, <laughs> like okay. This is like half an hour in, in the yeah. movie, right? Um, he, he basically ends up just kind of like, he knights his son and he says all that was once mine is now yours. And so suddenly Orlando Bloom is like elevated to this position of knighthood and he has to be this like respected uh, and, and powerful guy with basically no one to kind of guide him or teach him. Um, can knights knight other people? I, I suppose they can because that's what he did in that movie. So okay. I don't know. Um, but it, it's just really interesting. There there are a couple of really, really interesting lines in that movie too. Like one of my favorites is um, uh, Liam Neeson is telling Orlando Bloom how to get to the Holy Land mm-hmm. and he gives my favorite directions of any, you know, from any movie or anything that I've ever seen. <laughs> he goes, the Holy Land is easy to find. You go to where the men speak Italian and then you keep going until they speak something else, which I just love. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's actually good writing because, you know, that's probably a lot more easy to understand for somebody who, you know, doesn't have an education. They don't know anything about geography. They probably don't have a map. You know, the fact that he could say, oh, that kind of sounds like Italian, that I'm probably in the right place. <laughs> That's probably the easiest way to help somebody navigate in uh, the 1100s or something. Somebody who's illiterate. There you otherwise. go. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and then over the course of the movie, he does have a couple of other sort of father figures. Um, he meets the king of Jerusalem because his father was friends with him, and he mm-hmm. sort of becomes this mentor. And then David Thewlis, who is a uh, one of the Knights Templar, is sort of this mentor figure as well. It's a very good movie. I definitely, yeah. definitely recommend it. It's also beautiful too. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Very well shot. Yeah, it's it's that you know Ridley Scott period epic. Yeah. Um, and I, I think people were just sort of sick of that after gladiator came out so mm-hmm. it didn't do well well i'm going to use your um reference to uh good <laughs> directions in fiction uh to segue into one of my next topics yes. um i would argue that another uh infamous source of direction in fiction would be in peter pan when they say uh to get to neverland it's the second star to your right and straight on till morning yeah. and therefore i would love to talk about all the dads within the peter pan <laughs> And Hook Universe. I thought about talking about Peter Banning well, on this exactly. one too, but I was like, I don't want to steal that from Piper. Thank you. Okay, so um, obviously Peter Pan, one of my all-time favorite uh, sources of fiction. I yes. love it with all of my heart. Um, one thing that I just think is really interesting, um, because the, from the beginning, this play uh, and then the books and the movies, it has always been about this idea of growing up yes. and our resistance to do so and you know embracing that inner child, but knowing when you have to mature and things mm-hmm. like that. Things and, dads hate well so one thing that i think has always been really interesting is that from the beginning they have always done it this way in the play and then in the movies that followed is that the actor who plays um mr darling who is the father Mm -hmm. he's the same actor who plays hook when they get to neverland and that's obviously very intentional it's all the allegory of being like oh look this villain this adult who's also your father who's you know reprimanding you in your your it's nursery. all the things that are scary and intimidating and that, you know, that your father doesn't understand you and like that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I've always thought that was really interesting. I feel like the movie Hook explores the uh, this idea of, of dads and fatherhood in another interesting way. It kind of like elevates 
it when we see Peter Pan. Obviously, he grows up. He becomes Peter Banning. Um, and his at the beginning, he's a very bad dad. He he's screaming <laughs> at his kids on their holiday vacation. You know, his wife he's missing baseball him. games. He's exactly, just, yeah. and she she has that amazing. I wish I could quote it right now, but she has that amazing speech where she's yelling at or not yelling at him. She's saying to him, "She's like, we have such limited time with our children, and you're wasting it. And soon they'll grow up, and they won't want to hang out with you anymore." Um, and so uh, his evolution as he goes back to Neverland to save his kids and then find out who he is as Peter Pan. I love the idea that his happy thought that like helps him fly again and like kind of refine himself is this memory that he wanted to be a dad. And that yeah. was his happiest idea was that, you know, when he his first son was born and he's like, I'm a daddy. Like, this is who I am now. And it's like, that's his happy thought. I love that so much. Yeah. And then Tinkerbell kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> also have um on here hook question mark oh yeah because he has that amazingly twisted plan where he's like i will brainwash these children into thinking that i am their father well which is like oh that's so creepy but great i love that it is good and honestly in a lot of ways hook is a better dad than peter banning is like even if he is just putting on a show just to you know just to mess with peter pan right he is at at uh, the baseball game. Yeah. And he is there as kind of a mentor. And even if he's kind of teaching him the wrong things, like he's actually giving Peter Pan's son the Jack. Ja- Jack, thank yes. you. I couldn't think of his name. He's giving Jack, run home, Jack. How could exactly. I not think of that? Um, <laughs> he's giving Jack the, the dad that he always kind of wanted, even if that's not necessarily the best thing for him. Yeah. Um, Peter Banning doesn't give him either. He doesn't right. give him a good or a bad dad. He just kind of is not there. Right, he's exactly. just sort of a guy who shows up and yells and then disappears into his, into his business dealings, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not until Peter Banning turns back into Peter Pan that right. he kind of turns back into a good dad as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, oh, there's so many amazing lines from that. But I just love, I think, I, I don't know how um, involved Steven Spielberg was in the script of this movie, but just I love that concept of kind of exploring it's just so bold in the first place to say, let's take Peter Pan, the boy who like is young forever, and let's make yeah. him grow up and then face this idea of what it is to be a parent. Like that's bonkers and, and it works so well. Cast the best imaginable actor to of do course, that, right? Yes. The, you know, the the per- eternal child Robin Williams. Exactly. Yeah, like which is so great. Like the the man who never grew up. I love that. It's just beautiful oh, all around. Rest oh. in peace, Robin Williams. I miss that guy. Like literally every day I think about that. Oh, like, did he's you? such he's he was so great. Um what you got next? Well, okay, so kind of talking about bad dads a little bit. Um I, something that I wonder about a lot is uh writers who often have kind of problematic or absentee or just like bad fathers in their stories. Um, I always wonder what their actual parents feel about that. You know, that too. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about how literally every single Wes Anderson movie Mm -hmm. has just a terrible father in it. That is a, you know, either they're not around or they don't understand their kids or they never wanted to be a dad. So they're just kind of like, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think if there was one specifically that I would want to maybe focus on, it would be either fantastic Mr. Fox, because that one has just sort of like a happy ending or the Royal Tannenbaums. I think Royal Tannenbaums is sort of the gold standard. I mean, that's your favorite. It really, is my favorite and i think it's such a it's such a cathartic story because it's a it is a redemption story um there's a line in that where gene hackman is like can a guy be a piece of shit his whole life and then want to make things better at the end mm-hmm. and you know his his one son uh chaz is like yeah sure i'd like that and his other son son played by uh, no no chaz is the one played by uh ben stiller mm-hmm. he's just like 
no, you no. missed your chance. I'm <laughs> yeah. not interested in this. And then his son, played by Luke Wilson, is more forgiving. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, I sort of would like to have a dad again. I'd like to give you another shot. And it's this sort of battle of like, yeah. you know, and the way he goes about doing that is really terrible. I mean, he kind of <laughs> manipulates his family and he's awful. But in the end, he genuinely does have a turnaround. And he really, he really kind of realizes that the one thing that I always was missing was the love of a family. And mm-hmm. and I just love that. I think the ending of that movie is one of the most beautiful pieces of, of filmmaking. It's just so incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, shown visually in a way that like only Wes Anderson can, that it's, it's sort of panning across this chaos that Gene Hackman, the father character has, mm-hmm. you know, saved these children from. And that's this moment that's like, okay, you do care. Like yeah. you put your life on the line for us. You finally risked something for us, yeah. uh, which is just so great. I, I love that. But you can see that in basically any Wes Anderson right. dad character. There's always like <laughs> issues with dads. And didn't I ask you yeah. once if um, like if you've seen in an interview or something, if Wes Anderson has a bad relationship with his father? And no. I, you said no. that he doesn't? I, I've Well, I've never or, seen anything okay, about that. I, um, talk about I, it. I would be curious to to learn about that i know another kind of similar example is there's a death cab for cutie song um i can't think of the name of the song right now but it's basically written from the perspective of a guy who goes to his dad's funeral and he has to give this eulogy for him and he's just like no you were a bastard in life and you're a bastard in death and i don't care about you at all Mm -hmm. and he just basically says like you being dead doesn't redeem all of the terrible things that you did to me in my life right and i did see an interview about him once and somebody asked ben gibbard they were like did you have like a bad relationship with your dad and he was like no my dad was pretty cool i just thought this was an interesting story you know (laughs) which i think is so crazy like i think that's really impressive one to be able to put yourself in that space right? right um but also i think there's a lot of value to that because because, you know, certainly I can acknowledge that not a lot of people do have – not everybody has a really great relationship with their father. And that might be kind of a cathartic thing mm-hmm. for a lot of people to say like, well, sometimes people are just bad and they aren't really worth our time. And yeah. sometimes people can, you know, grow beyond that and sometimes they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's there's different – parts of that that are interesting to explore in different ways. Yeah. Well, the musician that I always think about who writes about having father issues is Nate Roos, and um, yeah. who sometimes is by himself and sometimes he's fun and sometimes he's the format. Yes. Um, but a lot of his uh, the fun or fun and uh, individual songs, he often talks about how he thinks about his father's death or any issue that he has with his dad. And I have also not really looked into whether or not that is factual, but how crazy would it be? I just love thinking about the idea that like his dad is just some sweet dude who's like alive somewhere. And they're like, Hey, I heard your son's song on the radio. Are you okay? Are you dying? And he's like, I'm fine. Like everything's fine here. It's just kids these days just writing about me being dead. It's it's an interesting performance. Yeah. It's, It's very, very interesting. Um, I want to talk about here. Wait, isn't it my turn? Is it your turn? Yeah, you just went on. I about did just Royal go Tannenbaums. on a whole tangent about Royal Tannenbaums. I apologize, Piper. The 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 daddy ball is passed back to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're playing catch, you know, yes, throwing oh, around the oh, old pigskin in the backyard. Like so many fathers and sons. Oh, and daughters. So <laughs> yes. sweet. Um, okay, so another one. This is uh, I would imagine is a bit more of a deep cut. I think less people know about this movie um, than people who know about it. But mm-hmm. uh, my next dad that I would like to talk about is that of Mandrake, and Mandrake is from the movie Epic. It's an animated film ah. uh, made by Blue Sky Studios. Mm-hmm. And Mandrake was voiced by Christoph Waltz. So that already gives him points. Another 
person that would be probably very pleasant to have as a father. Just oh. like a soft and gentle man. Oh, he's a very <laughs> bad guy in this movie. Well. He's the villain. So, okay, let me tell you about how cool his role as a dad is, though. So, like, the whole thing about Epic is that it's a classic kind of um, battle of the balance of nature, you know? Yes. They have yes. uh, Queen Tara, who is voiced by um, Beyonce, and she is, like, this spirit of the forest. She keeps everything growing. And then we have Mandrake, who is the king of, like, rot and decay. And Ooh. he's trying to fight back the growth of the forest and you know make everything dead because that's just his energy <laughs> that's what he wants to do it's his job is kind of the circle of life sort of a thing um so in the beginning of the movie he has his son is introduced as his general and they're like plotting how they're going to assassinate the queen during this big parade ceremony that she's going to do where she chooses a vessel that she's going to pass the life of the forest into and that person is going to become the next queen and so he's like during this ceremony she's going to be defenseless and that's when we attack her yeah and so they they Go on their attack. It's not quite successful. Um, he does kill her, but also his son is shot in the process and dies. So he loses his son in this battle. Suddenly, his like mission has changed. And it's really interesting because now his goal is not only to, he's already killed the queen, but now her essence is in this like magical pod that has to then be given to somebody else and let bloom under the light of a full moon so that the next queen can be chosen. His goal suddenly shifts and he's like, I lost my son. So I'm going to take like this pod from you and I'm going to have a new child from this. And so he decides to steal the pod. And he says, if it can bloom in like darkness instead of under the moonlight, then he'll have a dark prince or princess and that will be his like replacement child see i love how spooky that is of a yeah a person making a child right building a child because they you know maybe in kind of like a frankenstein like sort of sense that you know if you you lost someone or you just were never able to you know have a child biologically or whatever that that fatherly sort of drive is still really inherent in you as a character. I think that's a really interesting motivation for a hero or a villain. Right. But I think especially as a villain because of how that that intense biological drive can really corrupt you oh, totally. in a powerful way. That's so cool. It's really cool. I definitely recommend that movie to anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, it's It's been slow slept on and it's actually really pretty and really well done. Um, But yeah, no, I just, it's very cool and spooky and it kind of brings to mind this idea of, we've been talking a lot about like biological fathers and and their children. And here is this idea of someone who's kind of delusional in their grief. And they say, instead of coping with, you know, the loss of their child, they say, no, 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 I'm going to get a different child and this will be my kid (laughs) and I'm going to take care of them and raise them and it's going to be great. For sure. Yeah. It it makes me think of, um, in the Metagor Solid series, how um, all of the snakes are, uh, they're, they're like clones, essentially, of this perfect fighter of Big Boss, right? Who, yeah. Big Boss, who is sometimes the bad guy, sometimes a good guy, but always somebody that's sort of like shadowy behind the scenes working on stuff. And his children, Solid and Liquid Snake, are their, are their code names. That's not literally their names, okay? <laughs> you, I know you laugh every time I say that. It's so silly, right? It sounds um, so silly. There's also a third one named Solidus. Uh, Solid and There's a and whole liquid. thing that goes into it. So like one of them Where's is- Gas. Yeah. yeah. Where's gas <laughs> snake? Gaseous Snake, yes. <laughs> Um, well, there's also, okay, let me, let me just really quick run down all of the snake code names that I can think of, right? Please do. So there is, there is Naked Snake. There is Venom Snake. Ooh. There is Solid Snake. Liquid Snake. Solidus Snake. There is, 
Oh, there's surely more than five. There's Chode Snake? Chode, you're right. Chode Snake is my favorite <laughs> one, obviously. Um, no, they're, they're basically like, that's sort of like a, whiskey a snake? meme with whiskey snake. <laughs> Don't be gross, Piper. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of like a meme in the thing, though, in the series, is that it's this lineage is kind of what drives all of the stories in all of the games, right? And that right. Snake, uh, Big Boss, he didn't make these clones of his children. I think they were made using his DNA without his knowledge, and they sort of become these kind of rivals to him accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really interesting, and it's not something that we can really explain. This would be a whole episode of the podcast right? Of course. <laughs> to, to go over this, and that's not what this podcast is about. Uh, but I, I think it's, uh, it just made me think of that. Yeah. That there's this clone creation, uh, building a better son or daughter or whatever is, is kind of fascinating. It's super fascinating. Yeah. Do you have any more big ones you want to discuss in length? I, I do actually. So, I've got um, one more too. You talked about biological children and mm-hmm. the difference between sort of building a child and like having a child. And I actually think there is, uh, it's important to maybe talk about, um, adoptive fathers oh, and non-biological children. Yes. And I think there's a lot of really good examples of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could, you know, recently we could look at like Yondu and Star-Lord, I think are really, oh, really good examples. Um, I think can't Tony, I, didn't think of that. I know, I can't believe you didn't think of that either. You're your favorite. I, I cosplayed Yondu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll post pictures of Piper's Yondu cosplay actually to on, on Twitter because it's really, really cool. And we got a lot of really awesome pictures. Thank you. Um, so one of the ones I'm I'll, most proud of. I'll throw that up on there on, on the, on the Twitter, but, um, so Tony Stark and Spider-Man or even Uncle Ben and Spider-Man, I, I think it's – I think those dynamics have been explored in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. in the last 20 years or so oh, that yeah. we've seen in movies at the very least and how having just sort of like a mentor there mm-hmm. um, to kind of guide you through life, whether you get along with them really well and look up to them like you do with Uncle Ben or whether it's a little more contentious and you know you don't necessarily feel like they respect you like a Tony Stark kind of does. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting one. I also think um, Joel from The Last of Us, of course, Obviously. is a great example. Um, Joel looking for a surrogate daughter to replace the daughter that he lost at the very beginning of the first game kind of sees Ellie as someone that can fill this void and, and becomes very fiercely protective of her yes. to the point that it, it really pushes him to, you know, he will do anything. I mean, he is a very corrupted character. And I think yeah. that's so cool that his fatherly drive drives him to literally kill hundreds of people. Like Joel is not a good guy. No, and I think that's yeah. one of the coolest things about his character. And I have to yeah, just love that. talk real quick. That is such a character type that I am like so drawn to <laughs> both in like, I, I find them very attractive and also I just really admired that kind of intensity of a person for sure and the way that they show their love in this for very sure. odd and sometimes dangerous bad way yeah um, absolutely no i love that so much that protectiveness um there is like uh this is not a spoiler at all but like at the beginning of last of us 2 we get sort of a recap from the first game um yeah. and he just when him he's picking her up he just says come on baby girl and i just love that it touches yeah. my heart in a second and i'm melting into a Which puddle is, you know and i was like oh baby girl such growth from the you know the beginning of the first game game where yeah. he's like i don't really want to do this like you know he, he has that argument with where he's like you know i i sure as hell i'm not your dad or whatever you know right. I, I think that's just so and that's him sort of being defensive and like knowing that he wants another kind of child to be protective of but he doesn't really want to admit that because he's sort of scared of losing someone again and like yeah i i think that's great i think it's also important to mention in talking about Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us that um, there is a lot of inspiration for that game taken from The Road, which is another great story about a journey of a father and son that is 
equally just harrowing and dark. And the, you know, the father, uh, in the road is much more unambiguously kind of a good guy. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the driving thing in that story is he's always telling his son, we have to be the good guys. That's mm-hmm. why we keep going. We have to keep carrying the light. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really interesting thing. It's sort of this, this, uh, little piece of hope that they're carrying through this terrible, you know, horrible world full of cannibals and murderers and things like that. And he totally. says, we can never fall to this level. We always have to be taking the high road. Uh, well, I think that's so cool. What's so interesting to me is I, so the movie, The Road, about a father and a son. Yes. Um, I always, it's so funny to me. There's another movie that we just watched recently with, with Sweet Hanks, Tom Hanks, for those of you who don't know. Um, <laughs> it's called Road to Perdition. Yes. And I yeah. always get those two confused in my mind now, not so much because I've now seen them both, <laughs> but like they both have road in them. They're both about fathers and sons going on journeys. Um, it's really interesting that you mentioned that in The Road, um, his character is the father there is a lot more kind of you know he clearly loves and cares for his son and he's doing all this stuff and he's trying to teach him lessons where in uh road to perdition sweet hanks is very seems very emotionally distant in the very yeah. least yeah he totally well and i think he's kind of going through a lot of stress oh definitely uh, because his oh, family yeah. was just murdered so. yes yeah no there's like so much happening there yeah. um but at least the father in the road his family's been dead for his wife has been dead for years so he's probably over it at this point but yeah, yeah. i think that's something that's very interesting about road to perdition i was going to mention that one too earlier is that like um he i feel like you you see as is the case with many dads who you know they may struggle to tap into their emotions and how to share that with the ones they love they share their love in funny ways and you sometimes have to know what to look for it's like the fact that he's killing these people to keep you alive that's his love for you he's not going to sit you down and say i'm proud of you i love you all this stuff but he's going to make sure that you have food in your tummy and he's going to make sure that you're safe and he's going to try and you know show you things that will help you survive joel's love language is murder exactly (laughs) yes and i i think that like when you know what to look for it's very sweet to see those things and it's like oh he's not saying i love you but he's showing i love you i agree and i I think it's impressive for the writers and and creators of these different properties to build a context wherein we can buy that as a form of love right that we can sort of see no joel is murdering all of these people in like horrifyingly violent ways (laughs) because he loves ellie like i i think that's that's just so wild and out there, but it's completely believable in the context of The Last of Us, which I just love. It's also, I feel like, I mean, within the world of that game, yeah, that's it's more understandable. You that, have to do these things yeah. to survive because it's a it's a dog eat dog world for sure. So for sure. there's that on top of it. He's um, not just a murderer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the last two that I wanted to talk about with non biological parents uh, were Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want an example of someone who is. Maybe not like a bad dad, but like a bat dad, a bat dad. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, A dad that is very bad at not letting all of his children be murdered constantly or kidnapped (laughs) or hurt or whatever. Like pretty much if you want to be a superhero, the worst thing you can do for your career is to become a Robin because chances are you're going to be kidnapped and killed at some point. Yep. Like it just always happens. Right. But you know, they, they have this idea of like the bat family that Mm -hmm. basically Batman was sort of the, the father of bat woman and bat girl and all the different robins and you know nightwing and red hood and all these characters who sort of flock to him like Mm -hmm. a flock of bats and and sort of try to 
you know, help him with his, with his nightly duties and, you know, and have the same <laughs> sort of drive duties. and motivation. And they all, they all learn from him like a father, but none of them are his biological son except for Damian Wayne. Right. Um, which I think is, uh, also interesting. Um, yeah. so Bat- Batman is one example. And then, uh, I wrote Logan and literally every young female character in X-Men. Yes. I have <laughs> Logan here too. He's, he's such a daddy. Totally. And he, you know, I, I think he's a really fun example of someone who doesn't want to be a dad. Like he resists it with every fiber of his yes. adamantine being. And uh, yet the kids flock to him. Yeah, They're yeah. like, yay, we love you. Take care of And me. I think that's something that definitely you get piper i mean oh. and th- this is like such a trait of yours is that the you know the kind of gruff uh Hell unlikable yes. like monstrous sort of character Hell as yes. like a protector and a and a father figure and i think uh that's the thing he's got that heart of thing. gold totally that's what people can... want to sort of fix him Ex- like, well yeah. that or it's like no, no no like i i know you like you act all gruff and tough but if i was in a fix you would come to my aid yeah, like absolutely. you're a cool guy and also you know He's someone you can count on. If he comes to your aid, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Nothing can be stop okay. Logan. Exactly. <laughs> no, I had Logan on my list, too. Yeah. I would say my, since we're just wrapping up on this um, uh, adoptive parent situation, yes, yes. my other dad that I want to talk about is uh, Sergeant Pentecost um, from oh, Pacific Rim. Yeah, of course. Oh, my gosh. Okay. He's His... got that, that radiation sickness, and it won't stop him from being a loving daddy. Oh, it's so good. Okay. <laughs> that movie, I saw it in the IMAX theater uh, when it first came out and it blew my this is mind pacific rim pacific rim yes if we didn't say already um blew my mind i love it to pieces i love when we see the flashback of Ma- of mako and her trauma of you know the first time when a a kaiju, uh, a kaiju yes came through and destroyed her home and she's got her and, little shoe and her little red shoe and she survives this kaiju attack uh because sergeant pentecost comes in with his jaeger and it so it's alluded to in that first movie i'm not sure how obvious this was but there's a line where they talk about how one of the australian pilots is referring to Riley about how he's like he's one of the only two people I've ever known to pilot a Jaeger solo after their partner died. And so one is Riley after his brother was torn out. Yeah. The other, yeah. it's implied, is Sergeant Pentecost. Yes. He had somebody in there with him during that battle, and they also perished, but he still managed to maintain the, the Jaeger by himself. For sure. And that's why he got all that radiation. He's a and real Jaegermeister. He really <laughs> is. Um, and so, just, I love, I think what's so cool about their kind of adoptive parent dynamic is that he is first and foremost a soldier, and the idea that when a soldier decides to take in this young child that they've saved and raise them as their own, he's going to do so the only way he knows how, and that is as a soldier. Yeah. And so sure. we only, we don't realize that he is kind of her father figure until like halfway through the movie. Up until then, he's sort of just her superior officer and all this stuff. And there's a line where Riley is talking to her where he's like, you don't have to do what he says just because you're afraid of him. And she looks at him and she says, it's not fear, it's respect. Yeah. And it's this idea that like, this is kind of her pseudo dad, as well as her leader who's telling her what to do and trying to keep her safe. And I just really love those kind of little intricate details of their father-daughter relationship. I agree. And I also think if we look at the trend of kind of protection being mm-hmm. a common theme across all of these dads yeah. right, or across a lot of these dads, what better way to protect someone than to teach them to protect themselves, exactly. right? To, to say, well, I'm a soldier and I, of course, can always fight for you 
well, for now, right? right. Well, you know, eventually I'm going to die and, yeah, and, and you'll have to be able to protect yourself. And so he sort of says, you can join this program. You can learn to fight. But he never really wants to let her go out and actually pilot a Jaeger and fight on her own. He's sort of like, I want you to have these skills mm-hmm. if it ever came down to it. But I don't want you to have to use them unless you are absolutely in a last ditch, last, you know, uh, uh, backed into a corner right. type scenario. That's again, too, I think where we see that kind of element of love and affection that's portrayed in not a, a, a normal way. It's not him saying, I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt out loud. It's him saying, I know that you have this emotional trauma. I don't want to subject you to that by putting you into a Jaeger. I want to just keep you safe if I can. That's why I'm limiting you, essentially. Yeah. But then eventually Mako proves herself and he's like, you can do this. I believe in you. Yeah, she get beats out up there. Charlie Hunnam with a stick and then uh, they get to go and fight a, fight robot uh, monsters together. Yeah. It's great. Definitely check out the first one. <laughs> Never seen the second. It looks like trash. Um, Maybe it's good. I don't think so. I doubt it. No, it can't be. No way it can be good. It's got John Boyega in it, though, which is cool. I do like John Boyega. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, Finn? Finn. Yeah, Finn. Finn. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so two last mentions that I had here. I've got a little bit of a lightning round. You've got a little bit of a lightning round? Okay. Should we go through a lightning round? Let's go. Yeah, let's just, like, name a few. Uh, Darth Vader. Obviously, we got to talk about Darth Vader as as a dark daddy. I mean, he has the line, I am your he father. He does. Uh, no, he says, no, I am your father. Well, there you go. <laughs> I was just abbreviating. It's chill. Um, I we, mentioned, wait, let's go every other. Yes, every other, every other. Go All ahead. right. You say Darth Vader. I say Big Daddy from Kick-Ass. Oh, I was going to say Big Daddy from Bioshock. Hey-o, so that's perfect, dude, actually. Dude, I love that our introduction to Big Daddy is him shooting <laughs> girl yeah, in, the shooting in the chest while they're out in that little storm He's drain. Like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry, baby doll. It won't hurt any more than getting punched in the chest. <laughs> and then he promise her, promises her ice cream afterwards. It's weird that, like, we can watch Nicolas Cage shoot Chloe Grace, Grace Moritz in the chest and have it be fun. We you love know? it. Yeah, I, mean, I like, know. How oh. insane. It's so, <laughs> it's so good. Wild. I love it so much. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I I like the idea of – I was considering talking about actually Big Daddy from Bioshock in the adoptive parents thing, but I don't think it necessarily even fits in that either. Like, I think – Isn't Big Daddy just a robot? No. So they're, they're not robots. They're They're like – I haven't played Bioshock in a long time, so I'm a little bit fuzzy on the lore. I'm sure somebody is going to roast us about this. Probably probably Jordan <laughs> is going to show up on Twitter and roast us about this and tell us what. Jordan, uh, don't roast me on Twitter, please, for just, not knowing the, the lore of Bioshock as well as I Just wait. He's going to tweet you and be yeah. like, I've never played that game. <laughs> I, would ho- I hope so. Uh, it's been like 15 years or something like that since I played the first, but I don't know, however long ago it came out. But basically there are these um, – I, I sort of I, – I think they are – people who have been like experimented on sort of they're like okay. mind control like magic or genetic experiments they're sort or something of like, like that mutants. yeah they're, they're sort of like mutants i think they're i always view them more as sort of like golems right okay. where that makes sense. they're made to be these sort of servants right because um, he's the big diving suit yes guy exactly he's like a big diving suit around. and he's got like a drill for a hand and yeah it's super cool and there's yeah the little girls the little sisters that mm-hmm. are also like i'm pretty sure like genetic experiments or magic experiments or something like that uh the story of the bioshock games is much cooler than i'm you know, than I am able to give it credit for right now. It like, they're really fun. Really intriguing games. to yeah. me. It's a cool setting. It's a cool, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, Big Daddy from Bioshock. Cool big monster and kick ass. Yes. Um, I actually think the big daddies from Bioshock are really cool when explored as like a golem. Like, you know, yeah. imagine playing a character like that where you're like a little girl, mm-hmm. right? And you have 
uh, maybe you're playing as a druid or something like that, or like a tinkerer, mm-hmm. and you have this big construct or this big like bear or something that follows you around. Yeah. And that's sort of the dynamic is that you kind of hide around in the in the background and this familiar is always protecting you. Well, that's kind of like in that Pokemon movie that I'm not crazy about. Little girl and a lightning dog. Oh, Entei. Yeah. No, that's a fire dog. Raikou is the lightning dog. Whatever. He's got like <laughs> billowy clouds for fur, right? Uh, Yeah, he kind of does. He's got like a flowing mane. And he's yeah. Got, like, a... It looks like clouds. Yeah. He's yeah. like a thunder and lightning that's guy. That's right. No, he's a fire guy. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's... The three legendary dogs of Pokemon the second generation. Dogs. That's what they are, right? Every generation of Sorry, Pokemon. Sam, has the a... legendary good boys. You're right. The legendary, <laughs> the legendary good boys. My <laughs> mistake. They're all good boys, but, um, every generation of Pokemon. This is a little addendum, I guess, to our Pokemon episode from a few weeks ago. Every generation of Pokemon has a legendary trio, right? Where in the first generation, it was, uh, Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. In the second generation, it's Entei, the fire dog, uh-huh. Raikou, the lightning dog, and uh-huh. Suicune, the ice dog. Gotcha. Uh, and Entei is the one that is the focal point of the third Pokemon movie. Right. He Pokemon like, uh, and the Pokemon the movie three, uh, Entei and the Crystal Tower or something like that. He like saves yeah. this girl and unknown. like becomes her sort of like father figure adoptive monster. Yeah. And then yeah. she gets obsessed with Ash's mom and she's like, this is going to be my mommy. And they kidnap yeah. her. Well, because her dad was like an archaeologist or something and her dad disappeared and she was like, I need a new parent. And she thought her mom was off somewhere. And yeah, yeah. I, I actually spooky. think it's a good movie. I think it's a pretty good one. I'm sure I would yeah. like it more. But when I saw it when I was little, I was like, what's going on? It's yeah. weird. Imagine if your dad was a cool fire wolf that can fly I'd and be also into talk. It. Yeah, that'd that'd be it's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard to date. <laughs> I feel That's like. true. It'd be very hard to date. It's like, how are you gonna? Let's just not meet my dad. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's no, no, gonna no. be that too be, much. That'd be aggressive. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's a good one. <laughs> All right, um, I can't believe I might be stealing this from you, Sam. But uh, Theo from Children of Men, ultimate oh dad figure. God, I can't believe I didn't. Gotcha. Yeah, no, you're totally right. You're to- well. That's also very much in line with the the road or with Joel and Ellie. Exactly. I think it's- exactly. And uh, so that's a movie that is. This is something we could do five episodes of this podcast oh, just about on- just analyzing yes. Children of Men oh, and how incredible God. of a movie that is, and all of the different like all the symbolism and all of the you know the. So Theo is literally named Theo because, you know, Greek for God mm-hmm. and that he's supposed to be this Jesus figure. He never wears shoes. He finds out that uh Key is pregnant in a manger surrounded by cows, just yeah. like Jesus. Like he you know, he kind of guides her on this journey. It's there's so much really cool imagery in that. I love so that good. movie so much. Um just real fast, Children of Men takes place in a post apocalyptic future in which humanity has lost the ability to give birth. Yes. Um, People, women are can't have babies anymore um and the world is kind of falling apart uh and theo is recruited by his ex-wife and this like weird rebel group that she's with yeah the and fish he, exactly and it turns out that they have a young woman with them who's actually given birth and she's the first person to do this well and, she, she's pregnant she's going to give birth yes she's for pregnant. the first time in almost 19 years exactly and they yeah. have to escort her through a war zone to get her to where these like yeah. secret people are it's so good it's amazing it's, it's uh, alfonso cuaron who you know you may know from every other incredible movie he's ever done he's a great <laughs> director he's very very good alfonso cuaron ever <laughs> heard of him <laughs> yeah um i definitely definitely recommend that movie whether you're looking for inspiration for dads or not like just go watch that movie just like what do are you it. doing you shouldn't be listening to our shitty podcast you should go watch the no we watched that Men. on one of our early dates and <laughs> yeah. you were like you were like oh my god this is my favorite movie you i was cried. probably in tears yeah i yeah. probably was in it tears. was really good it's such a good movie so yeah oh my god theo and key from mm-hmm. uh from 
Children of Men. Yeah. Fantastic. What else you got? Um, I think that was actually all that I had oh, here. Oh, I've got some more. So, yeah, why, why don't you all right, pop real in fast, a few more? Real fast. Yeah. Um, Sam, how much do you love Mufasa as a dad? I thought about that one. Yeah, that's a really, really great one. I think that's great because he's a dad who teaches a lot of lessons and then his death incites sort of a journey. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it is a... Um, something that you have to kind of hide from and you it, it's like holding you back from growing. And then when you finally realize you have to embrace the fact that, you know, that he lives in you line is so great that you yeah. you don't have to become something great yourself. Like you have all of this greatness in you already because mm-hmm. all of the, you know, the great kings that came before you are still inside of you. Yeah. I think that's a really great message. And I think it's so cool for, you know, for anybody, you know, as a, as a character in D&D, um, it would be fun to maybe play someone who is intimidated by this legacy that is, you know, that, that kind of precedes them and to sort of um, release the pressure valve a little bit and say, you don't have to necessarily do this all on your own. Your father and your grandfather and your great, great grandfather and, and yeah. every king that came before you is is helping you in spirit. And They're watching there. you. Exactly. Yeah. Take inspiration from those who Absolutely. came before you. It's explored pretty well, I think, in Black Panther as well, when he goes and visits his father in the spirit realm. And he yeah. sort of says, like, no, we're still here with you. Like, we're fighting along with you in Wakanda. I think Absolutely. that's great. Um, I've, I've also noticed a trend that I have here of all of my favorite animated dads. They all are voiced yes. by people with epic voices. Oh, um, of, that's of such course. a big thing. You have yeah. to have that dad with the big baritone. You've got to have a Tony J or or a uh, James Earl Jones mm-hmm. or a Christoph a Waltz, Christoph Waltz or, or a Liam Neeson or a Patrick Stewart. Exactly. Yeah, oh my god. Okay, just random thought because we're doing a lightning round now. Yeah. Um, Fujimoto from Ponyo. I oh, hate Ponyo. Great. Ponyo, like she annoys me. Uh, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. I can't stand to listen to her scream about <laughs> ham, but. <laughs> Oh my gosh, do I love Fujimoto, that protective, long, red-haired, sea wizard, yeah. ginger king, Another voiced by Liam Neeson. Great Liam Neeson. Very beautiful. Neeson I love him to pieces. Um, I did have one more that I remembered here, actually. Uh, we just watched recently the Goofy movie. Yes, Goofy. Goofy. Goofy and Max, a, yeah. A weird dad. I, he's a he's a weird, terrible dad. He's who, so... Who uh, had <laughs> sex with that dog? <laughs> like, who did Goofy? Well, uh, Apparently, Goofy has serious game because in the second movie, he gets that really cute librarian uh, lady who's really into him. But um, I I think that's, one, a super slept on Disney movie. And not even just because Eye to Eye is like an absolute banger of a Disney song. Like that song Incredible is so good. Incredible song, yes. Um, which we, so we recently learned this um, on a, a podcast that I'm a really big fan of, Punch Up the Jam. Uh, it's a podcast that they they take songs and they try to improve them by writing sort of satire, like parody versions of them. But they also do a lot of analysis of the music. And they talked about how Eye to Eye from the Goofy movie was basically just like written by like everyone involved in that was like a protege of Prince yeah. and it was recorded at Paisley Park Studios and like everybody who was here involved in Minnesota, in it, here in Minnesota, everybody who was involved in it had worked directly with Prince was either in a, you know, his band at some point was a backup singer for him, had trained underneath him. Like basically all were people that had his blessing. So like it makes perfect sense that that song is just so good yeah. Um, because, you know, it was basically touched by you know the purple god the purple angel of minnesota music (laughs) well you say okay i think it's funny that you say that movie was slept on because we recently rewatched it like a couple nights ago and at the beginning you were like this movie is so slept on it's so great and i totally agree like both of the like pop songs at the beginning and the end are great the middle it's a bit of a struggle yeah it's whatever there's a a big bigfoot scene that takes forever (laughs) there's a lot of them hanging around with weird possum people it's like there's a lot of stuff in the middle where it's just like boy can we get back to the pop music please well, we sort of talked about this, that I think it was Disney's attempt at 
kind of being like, hey, you know, we have all these old classic Disney characters right. like Donald Duck and Goofy and Mickey Mouse or whatever that they don't show up in any of our movies anymore. What if we what if they could be popular again? And I understand why they're not popular because Goofy sucks and he's really annoying and he's not a great dad. But like, I think it's a he's not a bad dad, but he's just a dad that isn't good at communicating. And that's the, right. the point of the story, right? Exactly. But like, if I had Goofy as a father, I would also be really impatient with him. Oh, yes. Because he kind of ruins everything. And that's his whole gimmick is that he's Goofy right. he's and he's goofy. clumsy oh, and he trips on stuff. Um, but I do think that that is a really good journey, you know, where you kind of come to an understanding. They start yeah. out at on day one, they don't really get along. They don't really feel like they have anything in common. And by the end of it, they're like, no, I am my father's son. Yeah. I am all, all that is best in me comes from him. And yeah. they kind of come together That's and nice. sing a sweet pseudo prince song. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, ex- the extremely goofy movie is the one that I knew first. And that one is what, um, really formed my understanding of what college life would be like so um when i was off to college i'm like all right can't wait to find that underground like mochaccino cool little coffee shop yeah can't wait to go to the x games and uh you know watch all of that jazz can't wait to go to a weird disco on campus it's all gonna and be great for any of our young listeners out there who have not yet been to college that is what it's like it's exactly, exactly like that. what it's i like. got everything i wanted <laughs> From the extremely goofy college, movie. I went to college mostly online. It was still like that. It was weird. I don't know. <laughs> okay, real quick. Um, Jean Valjean, uh, another oh, adoptive father, okay. um, takes on that little French girl. Can't remember her name. This need, um, this does need to just be a whole podcast. Yes, there's so many dads. dads. There's way too many good, interesting uh, dads. The one thing that always stands out to me about like him being a dad for Amanda Sidfried is that like there's that scene where she's like just like sung a lovey song with her her boy through the garden fence and then she goes back to her bedroom and then he like comes to her room <laughs> to be like what are you doing singing at boys but he shows up and his like shirt is all open and i was like this is inappropriate what are you doing in this young girl's bedroom with your shirt open like you're on the hadn't, cover of a romance novel hadn't he, like, Hugh Jackman, just, go away uh, hadn't he just been in a fight with javert or something like that something. Or was that like a different thing? it Who was knows? too much <laughs> i couldn't handle it um Sarek, uh <laughs> oh yeah Sarek, spock's father spock's father obviously um, um, also, the adoptive father of um, our girl Michael um, from Star Trek Discovery, yeah. Michelle Michael. I yeah, I it's it's Michael. Um, <laughs> I he's. I, I, he's one of my favorite fictional characters. I have such a crush on him. So he's mostly on the list just because he's a daddy that I love. Um, but he's great. And then, yeah, that's it. That's my list. Great. That, we did is, it. This is a really solid <laughs> list. I, this is honestly, just look at any of these dads. If you want to make a character, just, just pick one of them. And just make him like a, I don't know, make him a druid or something. And that's how you do it, right? There you go. That's how it works. Just base it off of one of these dads. Um, but this is not all that you're getting from us this week. You're no. Getting, you're getting, in addition, oh my God. a brand new daddy. You a, thought? A whole new daddy. <laughs> you thought we were town. just going to spend an hour talking about dads and be done with it? <laughs> we're going so much deeper. There is a new daddy in town, or there's about to be. Uh, and we are going to, we're going to, just lay it down for you here. So let's go ahead, Piper, and just jump into that. Why don't you lay down a prompt for us? I think maybe what we should do is, so uh, maybe to clarify a little bit, mm-hmm. we're going to, in the vein of a lot of these kind of dads on adventures with their children, mm-hmm. we're going to create a father and a child character. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't decided if if they'll be uh, a son or a daughter or, mm-hmm. or, you know, or something else. We don't know. Biological or adopted. Um, or biological or adopted. Um, but uh, we're going to, we're going to create 
this duo. Mm-hmm. We're going to have them go on an adventure, and maybe we're going to talk about some of the obstacles they're going to encounter here. Maybe what their ultimate goal is and how they kind of accomplish that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's where we're going to go. So maybe we should get a prompt for mm-hmm. our our big daddy. Yep. And we should get a prompt for our child character as well, and just right. sort of go from there if we feel it's more appropriate to have them be a son or a daughter, or maybe if we talk about. Um, you know, maybe they're, they're transitioning or something like that. Maybe, maybe they're not even a human. Maybe they're like an adopted, like sentient, uh, you know, an awakened animal or something. I think there's a lot of interesting directions we could go. A little alien baby. Yeah, totally. Imagine it, you know, like a Superman type character, right? An alien crashes to earth and you have to care for a father, you know, Pa Kent cares for them, whatever. Oh my goodness. Um, So let's get two prompts here, Piper. Yep. And, uh, see where we can go with this. So one thing to clarify did we decide that you are making the dad and I am making the kid? No, or is think, it kind of a joint effort? I think effort? we should just – let's just kind of freeform this and we can okay. both uh, cool. contribute a little bit. I, cool. I don't want to – you know, look, I'm – I'm probably more dad-like than you in a lot of ways. I have worse <laughs> jokes, uh, which puts me firmly in dad territory. Um, but I, I think it's valuable to have uh, another person's perspective when creating the ideal, ideal dad. Oh, my goodness. So uh, okay. let's let's do both of these together. I okay. Think. We're doing it together. Let's start with the, the, the dad himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the word that we got generated for dad, um, uh, yeah, to me, daddy. <laughs> Stop. There's an SNL sketch that you have to look up. It has a Z's on sorry. It's amazing. Great. Um, anyway, uh, what is the um, prompt? The prompt is eight. 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 Like the number eight. The or number eight. Like seven, eight, nine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's why six was afraid of seven. Is what I hear. Thanks, Dad. There's the dad joke for you. <laughs> See, this is why this is the perfect episode for me. Yeah. Um. Eight. eight. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind when I hear eight, and we're talking about dads, it makes me think of one of my favorites, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Like maybe okay. this is a guy who is one of eight siblings See, this is actually what i was kind of thinking too yeah this, this guy comes yeah. from a big family that's yeah. the first thought that i had maybe he comes from a big family and he was the last of his family the last to, of us it, it, yeah. <laughs> uh everyone in in his family has gotten married and had children and he's the only one that hasn't had a kid mm-hmm. and you know maybe it's just that he's never found love or maybe he's never had time you know maybe he's been off adventuring or something maybe that's it that he's been off you know doing adventures and like you know, a dad has to be powerful so he can protect his, you know, future children someday. He's mm-hmm. been off, you know, being a cool guy out in the world, getting strong, getting buff. And he <laughs> comes upon, um, you know, a child in need and maybe takes them under his wing somehow. I am a huge fan of the yeah. adoptive father figure, so I'm totally down for yeah. that. Um yeah, that sounds pretty good. I could also see this being something that maybe he has a big chip on his shoulder because I think that family is really important mm-hmm. to you know, to him and to everyone in his family. And I think it's something where maybe all of his siblings and his parents kind of look down on him because he's the only one that hasn't been able to sort of spread the family name further and to kind of build this family, this clan bigger. Yeah. And so it's something that everyone expects of him, but he doesn't have a biological child at, so at this point. So he's the black sheep of the family. Yes. I feel like it has to be a thing for him that if, you know, family, that's where he comes from. He comes from a huge family. They all got married. They all had tons of kids. And he was like, no, nah, man, I don't want to settle down. And like, there must be more to this provincial life. I'm going to go <laughs> off and like do adventuring. That's what I want yes. to do. Yes. I feel like he needs to be the guy who is always like i never want kids he's me he's, he's the yeah, one maybe, who's maybe. like he's like yeah this is not what i want but then life throws it at him and it just becomes what he embraces yeah so maybe it's the kind of thing where you know the 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 movie trope where um 
you know, somebody's parents want them to get married. So they hire somebody to like play their spouse or whatever. Maybe he finds this kid and he's like, look, kid, you're like a little street urchin. If you come with me just for, you know, I'm leaving town. I'm going to be gone for, for 10 years. I'm probably not going to see my family again. I'm off on like a job or an adventure before I leave just so that my family is happy because I love my family. Will you show up and pretend to be my child? Oh my God. Classic rom-com yes. scenario. I'm going to pretend that you're my kid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. And so they just find like a random street urchin to say, please be my kid. You'll get a free meal out of it. You'll probably get some nice hand-me-downs from all of my brothers and sisters who had, you know, kids that were your age. That would be kind of an interesting story there, I think. That's a lot. That's a lot because there'd be so many questions like, who's the mom? And he'd be like, shut up, Stacy. Don't ask me about that. (laughs) I I could see him. You know, maybe this guy is like a good actor because he's, you know, he's always having to kind of evade and dodge these questions. Yeah, he he probably is like... Like, you know, they would ask him who the, who the mother is and he would just say, you know, it's just um, there was a mother, but it's just it's too hard to talk about. You know, we just really I'll, I promise I'll tell you someday, but I just I really I can't right now. And then he would leave the room. And so everybody would be like, oh, my God, he loved her so much. Like this must be the, the, the child born of the perfect love affair. We believe this implicitly. <laughs> you know? OK, I love the dynamic that I'm picturing now of this idea that like. This kid needs to be like a really good like con artist, and that's why he hired the kid oh, totally. to do that. Because yeah. like the kid's whole like shtick, I'm sure, is like you know turning on the waterworks and being like, "Help yeah. me find my mommy" and Luke, all this stuff. And he's like, "All right, you can obviously do this really well. I need you to come with me to a family event and pretend you're my kid." Exactly. I bet the reason that he found this kid is because this kid tried to steal something from him. Yeah. This kid showed up at like a deal. I I keep picturing this guy as sort of a shady, like kind of a smuggler, like roguish, rakish adventurer. Cool. Um, and so he was maybe at some kind of a deal and this kid showed up and tried to make off with part of his take or something and he was like kid you know what on any other day i'd probably just beat the crap out of you and leave you on the curb right but today i have a need for a young con artist just such as yourself oh my god of course there would also be a scene right off the bat where he's like he's like hang on i want to pay you for your services and the kid's like i'll scream rape he's like you stay away from me and it's like no no not like that it's totally fine i like the energy that's perfect that's exactly the kind of the kind of acting quality that we need okay so pepper what is what is our prompt word for our urchin here so okay so we got the word elegant which is kind of funny with like the the story that we've already started to spin um but it kind of makes me think that i like the idea that this is a little girl but you know just because she's making her way on the street and everything and doing these cons she like either has her hair hidden under a hat and maybe people think that she's a guy (laughs) um maybe even our main character at first thinks it's a little guy but then after he catches him and it's it's this girl and then he's like okay well i need your help and and that's something we see all the time in you know urchin stories like all over twist up stories is you know little girls that disguise themselves as boys because it's safer to be on the street as a young boy like there are a lot of things that in the world women have to deal with that men don't we saw that in the witcher show yes exactly she was pretending to be a boy in the beginning or in the breadwinner that phenomenal animated uh series about the the based off of a very good novel yes uh, a young girl in pakistan iran or something uh, uh who her father was imprisoned and she mm-hmm. had to go and get a job. And in order to do that, she had to disguise herself as a boy because no one would employ a young girl in this, you know, in under this regime yeah, exactly. that she was a part of. Yeah. Um, cool. So I, I like that. It's we have to take this young girl and mm-hmm. we have to disguise her as a member of the upper class. So we right. have to go on a 
One, we get to do a, a shopping montage, Hell which we yes. all love doing, Hell obviously. Yes. <laughs> so that's a fun thing. Um, this this kind of smuggler Han Solo type uh, roughneck dad gets to take her to all the finest shops and show her all of the the finest uh, bustled dresses and little you know fun little garments uh, for for girls to wear. That's one thing <laughs> that I love so much about this idea is that neither of them are comfortable with this like no totally, totally. Like I think he knows nothing about this world. Yeah. It's the it's the world he ran away from it's what his family is and he's like yeah. i don't want any of this but now he knows he has to go back to it and she hates it too and i love the idea that you know he's like i think this dress looks good and she's like this dress sucks he's like what do i know <laughs> yeah, like, i don't know anything about this he's yeah. like, just just be quiet and, and be nice i imagine a lot of sort of furtive glances over to the tailor and the tailor's just sitting there with his arms crossed like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah like <laughs> right? yes it all looks good buy yes. all of this please yeah um i so i think another avenue that would be really fascinating to go down that i I I wish that we had an appropriate perspective to explore this really respectfully, right? But yeah. um, I, I think it would be a really fun thing to look at this maybe from the perspective of this being a young boy urchin and you're sort of saying, hey, let's let's go and get you dressed up so you look like you're from the upper class. And they don't really feel comfortable in any of the, you know, the manly fashion that's out there. And when they see, you know, like a, a fine silk dress or like long elbow gloves or something like that, they're really attracted to that. And maybe this could be sort of the seeds of, um, you know, kind of a, a like a trans character, like learning about themselves or starting yeah. to, you know, understand maybe the world around them and where they fit into it in a little bit different of a way. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily really appropriate for either of us as cisgendered individuals to speak for people in this community. And I, I, I wish yeah. that we had someone on this episode with a more, a, a, a more educated mm-hmm. and you know, a, a closer perspective to yeah. this, because I think that would be a really, really fun thing to explore. But I don't think it's appropriate for us to right. to try and do that. So yeah. I would definitely encourage any of our listeners out there who want to maybe take a swing at this mm-hmm. um, and tell us how you would maybe tell this story from the perspective of, you know, a young boy or a young girl that is coming into their identity as a trans character that has, you know, some type of... um uh, gender dysphoria or body dysmorphia or anything like that. I think that would be that would a be, fascinating would be story very to tell. Interesting. Um, I think that would be very, very challenging for someone like either of us yes. to do. And so I think maybe just out of respect for that, it's probably not super appropriate for us to go down that, that venue. But I wish that we had uh, a, insight, a better yeah. platform and, and better insight <laughs> into this. So please, cool. please reach out to us. If you have any thoughts or ideas about that as a story, I think that's so cool. And I think that's exactly the the type of we we should try and do an episode that touches more on some of that stuff i think that would um, be great i i would a lot more research ahead of time yes I, I think if we had the opportunity to do to do more research and like really um give that the attention that it deserves mm-hmm. that would be so fun because i think these types of stories and and you know role play in general is a really valuable tool that can kind of challenge us to to get outside of our comfort zones and exactly. look at things like this that we don't understand or don't have personal experiences with. Yeah. Um, there's so much valuable to that. I just wrote my capstone paper literally exactly. about this. Um, <laughs> I, I think that would be such a cool thing. So um, yeah, please reach out to us at WorldFrogePod on Twitter if you have thoughts about that. That would be just such a cool thing. We would love to hear to, it. To explore uh, more fully here. But we'll, we'll thing, move forward, I think, probably with this being a... One, yeah. yeah. One thing that actually is really interesting. Um, so this is a fact that I've I've kept in my heart for a long time is that like way back in and I ugh, forgive me for not knowing exactly which era of history it was but it's kind of um there's 
it was not uncommon for little boys up to a certain age to also wear dresses. Interesting. Um, and the way I know about this, so um, here in Minneapolis, there's a um, the the MIA, the, the Minnesota Minneapolis Institute of Art. MIA. Yes, exactly. It's a it's a beautiful art museum, and there's this one painting that's on display there um, that has always caught my eye. And I remember like learning about this when I was on a tour. It's this beautiful portrait of this this elegant like French aristocratic woman. She has her huge um, wig on and her giant dress, and there's this what looks like a little girl is at her side and they're there in this beautiful portrait and the way if you actually read the label and what the um tour guide told us is like yeah. this is a portrait of madame so-and-so and her son and she was then describing about how that was kind of the fashion of the the era is that up until a certain age it was not uncommon in the aristocracy aristocracy Aristocracy. Aristocracy. However, you wish the to aristocats. say this word. Yes, exactly. The aristocats decree. It was not uncommon to dress both genders um, up to a certain age in like elegant gowns and things like that. And young boys would often wear corsets, not for like any sort of support, but like to give them good uh, posture. And it was a thing to like make you stand up straight and things like that. And so, in history, these things have been explored in interesting ways yeah. as well. I I think look. All fashion, all language, all all human experience is, is arbitrary and decided by the people experiencing them, right? Right. You know, I, I think, you know, because society views one thing as normal is just because that's what the majority of people decided was the case, right? Yeah. I think that's really interesting that none of that is normal or not, you know? Like, any anybody can do anything they want, <laughs> and it's just up to the people around you, the, the context that you're in it that determines it if is. it's acceptable. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that's really interesting. This is getting so far out of the scope of this <laughs> just episode. Just wanted to touch on that. <laughs> but I think it's an important thing to discuss, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. It's sort of, I, I've read before about how, you know, blue is traditionally a boy's color and pink is traditionally a girl's color, but apparently. That was like swapped. 100 years ago, that was swapped or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It was the reverse. Um, much like the Republican and Democratic Party swapped for it. It's well, crazy. Now we're getting really out of Let's out of not line go here. there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, all right. So moving forward with the story, we're, yes. we're disguising this young street urchin girl mm-hmm. as a upstanding uh, lady of society. Lady of society, a new member of this family. Exactly. Right? She's um, our own Eliza Doolittle. Yes, exactly. And so this is, I think this is maybe something where this, this character, the smuggler dad has been kind of, I think he is feeling the pressure of his family always trying to push him to have a child and that's kind of why he's motivated to leave so he's just giving them this gift before he goes what do you think so one thought i feel like there needs to be a higher motivation to why he would actually do this because he spent so much time away from them ignoring them and everything maybe his his mother the the matriarch of the family writes him and says if you do not arrive at the next family gathering you I'm, lose your inheritance i'm cutting you off exactly yeah. you will have no ties to this family our I'm fortune glad we, we both went there yes yeah. exactly and so that's why he's like okay i have to arrive with this that's child cool. um because i think also a big part of it for her is she's like if i don't see a grandchild then you're yeah. out and he's like here is one here's my kid I, I like <laughs> how much like skeevier that gets because it makes it, you know, we talked about like family's important to him, but also like maybe the money's more important. And right. this could be an interesting conflict here that would be very fun to role play is, right. you know, talking about what happens when he starts to realize like, I do feel bad about deceiving my family. Like maybe I should tell them the truth and they'll understand that all I want is to make them happy and me having a child won't make me happy. So this is like a struggle that I have, right? Yeah. Um, I also think... We should establish that this character is someone that he, whether, <laughs> whether this child that, that he kind of adopts and takes in to do this is 
um, you know, identifies as a boy or a girl or trans or whatever, he would have been totally cool with it. Oh, yeah. I think we should, you know, however, like, bad of a dude this guy might be in other ways, like, he's super cool that way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I think he's just like, he's like, yeah, everyone is whoever they want to be. I don't really care. Totally. Like, you are whatever you want to be. That's chill. Yeah. Let's go to this party. Just be a nice little lady. Yeah. Or whatever. And we can go. I just Absolutely. need to make sure I still have some money so I can keep adventuring. I like that. Cool. Yeah. So he, he goes in, he, they have to do the whole song and dance. They have to, I'm sure there would be all kinds of weird, like, oh, you're using a salad fork to eat your pork chops. How ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God. Were you raising a barn? And then she would just kind of pout at her dad and everyone would maybe think that's hilarious and cute and adorable, right? right? Yeah. Um, I, I imagine they would sell this really, really well, right? I think so too. I yes. also sort of picture, um, I think that there's a specific reason why he needs more money right now. More than just that he gets cut out of the inheritance, he probably has an adventure that he has to go on that he needs to be bankrolled for. I bet he needs to commission a ship. He needs a vessel. Yeah, and that some, takes a lot classic, of money. classic, like, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and so, like, he, after, you know, spending the evening at this big family get-together, whining and dining, the matriarch of the family, and he's like, oh, yes, my little daughter, she's so great. I'm glad you like her. So, about this boat that I need. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I think that would be a big part of, like, I imagine at some point early on in the, the cinematic version of this that I always <laughs> picture things as, the, the the grandmother would have written him a letter about how, you know, don't expect to see a single, like, dime or penny from me. Yeah. You can forget about your boat unless I see that you, like, can be a proper father and ha- can take the responsibility of, you know, raising a child. Can we also say, because I'm picturing this this kind of grandmotherly matriarch as Maggie Smith. Of course. It's definitely of course Maggie Smith. It's Maggie Smith. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, yeah. She's doing her little, like, bird head thing where she... Hmm. You, nobody can see, but no, I'm doing what Maggie Smith does in Downton I mean, Abbey in every episode where she's like, oh, oh, that little oh, noise you oh. made was pretty perfect. Yeah, that's, that's totally perfect. <laughs> Sam, let's throw a wrench in the gears. Let's, let's, um, let's throw a wrench in this. Well, should we, should we add in a modifier or should we get another prompt to use for the adventure? Because I think maybe if we say, look, this went well, this is uh-huh. just sort of the first part of the story. Now they actually need to, they got the money. They, they tricked his family. Mm-hmm. They need to actually go on this adventure. What is the adventure? Like, what is this journey? he's going on that he needs this boat for so okay before we touch and on the why adventure, does he have to take the little girl well him? i was just gonna say before we touch yeah. on the adventure i know 100 percent that this little girl um she's done her part really well of like yeah. fooling everybody that she's this well-behaved little lady of society i think she overhears him having this discussion with her quote-unquote grandmother yes. and then later afterwards he's like great we did it here's your here's some money for you oh, goodbye and so she's, she's like, like i want to stick with this guy. and she's like are money. you kidding me do you think i'm leaving she's like i heard what you said to old lady what's her name name i'm coming with you yeah. to like go and get this like treasure this adventure whatever's I, on i it. love it yeah so she would stow away on the ship exactly there'd be a whole thing where like you know she'd be hiding in his in his footlocker and he'd catch her and he'd be like oh you you gotta get out of here and he kicks her out and then the next day they've left port and she pops out of a barrel of pickles or something exactly like yeah, <laughs> Julio <yeah>. and Miguel. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> I, I think that's the perfect direction for this to go. And so now they're stuck on this journey together. And that's the true essence. Uh, that, that, that's chaos that's theory. Chaos that's chaos. Theory. <laughs> that, that's the true essence of the, you know, father daughter adventure on the road. So let's, let's get another prompt for this, I think. And then maybe we'll throw in a modifier a little later. We'll see how that kind of goes. Cool. Okay. Our word is trap trap Ooh, okay which instantly makes me think of like booby traps and things that you would find in a classic yeah. kind of like treasure hold so maybe they're going off to some some 
forgotten temple or you know a a destroyed city and they're going in for some some mythical treasure and as they get there they find all these traps and they realize that you know maybe we're all too we're all too big to avoid stepping on all the little little tripwires and things they have this little girl is there she's the one who can dodge between the tripwires and stuff i don't know what do you think one option definitely one option we could consider another i was thinking of because i feel like that is, it's following, you know, the pretty straight and forward train of thought. Yes. I'm yes. trying to think of like ways that we can divert from that. Um, when I think of like expanding on the word trap, we could think of maybe like, like fur trappers. Like maybe this quest is not in pursuit of gold or, or physical things. Maybe there's a great beast or some kind of animal that Ooh, he's hunting or trying to capture. That's pretty cool. He, so, um, maybe some of the smuggling work that he does is he hunts these like, legendary or maybe even like protected beasts and so he goes to this island that maybe it's like a national park or preserve or something where you're not allowed to hunt and they have to sneak in and hunt this great beast he's he's a bad guy like we said exactly i would love it actually if like the beast that he's hunting i feel like this has kind of been in sort of a fantasy-esque world um what if it's like something like a unicorn where it's like a a wish granter or something that's incredibly valuable because it's one of the last of its kind and if it was a unicorn for example i love the idea that this like tough little girl you know who this whole time she's like she's like i'm i'm like i i, I chew dirt i spit it out almost blah 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 <laughs> but when she finds out that he's going to find a unicorn and she's like stows away to come aboard and he's like you care about unicorns and she's like yes i care about unicorns and you can shut up i want to see that unicorn and like that's what they were after i think this would be a really interesting thing that maybe he so maybe she she like loves unicorns she like She's basically illiterate, but the only thing that she knows how to read is she studied this book about unicorns. So she maybe she just happens to know more about unicorns than anyone else on this journey. Maybe there was like so, a tapestry that she saw. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, maybe her parents were like unicorn uh, tamers and they were into unicorn <laughs> husbandry or something. I don't know. But maybe they, you know, through some strange means, they find out that she's kind of the key to this. Like she is probably going to be better at finding this unicorn than us. And so they get to this island and... Maybe she catches wind that they're kind of trying to use her to find the unicorn and kill it. And so they split up. And so they're racing to find the unicorn because she wants to use it to grant a wish and they want to kill it. Hey, okay. So it actually works with um, some lore about unicorns that I I know personally from um, one of my favorite, like, really shitty fantasy films. Also Ridley Scott, the movie Legend. Um, Unicorns play a big role in that film. And they say that the that unicorns are drawn to the innocent. Like, oh, okay. and people, normal people are just always kind of corrupted. Oh. And so you couldn't find a unicorn even if you wanted to. But if you find a person of like a true heart, a true innocent individual, that unicorn will approach that person. And so maybe he finds out that this girl, as tough as she appears to be, she is pure enough that they could use her to trap the unicorn. Totally. Like, so she's only ever stolen out of necessity, out of survival. She's never stolen from, you know, she's like an Aladdin. She's never stolen from anybody who didn't have something to give up right Right. so they say maybe we can use her as bait for this unicorn and then she thinks that she's going to get to just go meet this unicorn and when they you know when she encounters it they come out with their bows and arrows and there's this confrontation where she's like you've betrayed me i helped you Mm -hmm. and he in that maybe this smuggler this dad in this moment realizes you're right i've crossed a lot of lines Mm -hmm. but like i've grown a bond with this child i respect this child like i I shouldn't do this. And he has to figure out there's this sort of Mexican standoff where a bunch of his goons have arrows drawn on the unicorn. And he's like, how do I turn this around? Right. You know? Well, it's another big question. I feel like if the unicorn is like 
an endangered species or one of the last of its kind, would he want to kill it or would he simply want to trap it, as our word would imply, and bring it back with him to like I, kind of make it a spectacle? I sort of feel like he maybe wouldn't. I, I picture this being like a contract that he has where mm-hmm. they're like, give me this unicorn horn or whatever. And right. he's, you know, it's just like a job that he's doing. But maybe he learns from this girl. Because that's the other thing about Journeys is that, right. you know, you the both characters have to learn from each other. Yeah. So he sort of learns from her that there is sort of wonder in the world and it's not just about money and financial gain. And so I think that's something that's kind of slowly building up in him as they're going on this quest. Mm-hmm. And so right as they're about to get to the point where they're finding this unicorn, he's second guessing himself and he's like, how do I stop these people from killing this unicorn and destroying this child's dreams? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really interesting conflict. I agree. I also feel like if we wanted to put a little bow on this, which we don't always have to, it's fun to leave the stories open. But I like the idea that if, you know, in the end she convinced him, she's yeah. like, please don't kill yeah. this beast. Yeah. We have to leave it alive. And he agrees because he's like, all right, you've, you've touched my heart. I've looked in the eyes of the animal. We're going to let it go. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like he still gets paid in the end because while they're sailing back, they see like a pot of... um uh, narwhal. Narwhal. And they just cut off a narwhal's <laughs> horn. That'll work. <laughs> which is literally where the legend of the unicorn comes from. They take the narwhal of horn course. and he just gives that to the wealthy person and they're like, here's a bunch of gold. I and like money. that idea. I, so I also so think they get to walk away, both of them swindlers. Yeah. And I, then it's like, we did it. I, I think it's interesting to consider too how, um, you know, his crew wouldn't be on board with just not doing this, right? His, mm-hmm. his crew is going to think, well, we're not going to get paid now, right? So, you know, maybe there's this interesting sort of standoff where he goes up to the unit, you know, he, he tells his men, he would say in, in a moment of quick thinking, we can't, we can't kill it with a boner. We can't damage the hide. We have to mm-hmm. preserve every piece of this unicorn. So what we have to do is get up close. We have to gain its trust and, we have to, you know, maybe like slit its throat. That's the way that will damage the beast the the least, mm-hmm. right? And so he kind of um he gets up to this unicorn and the little girl is there and she's kind of like feeding it like oats or petting it or whatever. And he maybe looks down at the girl and he gives her a wink and she looks up knowingly and he grabs her by the hand, he jumps on the unicorn's back, throws her on the back, and they ride off into the forest. And now it's an adventure of how they have to, like, guerrilla warfare style, kill the rest of his crew oh so they can God. get back to the ship Dang. without harming this unicorn. So it's Maybe they the could smuggler just... <laughs> man, a little girl, and a unicorn have to kill a crew of, like, 10 or 15 pirates or something. And so there's this adventure of them just, like, sneaking through the jungle. And they're, they're like, trapped on this island, you know? Like, the ship is, the ship is guarded by all of them. They have to, like... Like most dangerous game style oh fight gosh. all these guys. I would love that and how how the three of them would team up, you know? Like- now I'm just picturing like if they manage to sneak onto the boat and like sail away, the unicorn is the one at the helm. Like it's got its little hooves on the steering wheel totally, and it's like, totally. bye suckers. I could also totally picture a lot of weird elaborate traps where like, you know, they'll they'll uh maybe they'll use some kind of like a little you know maybe maybe the the little girl has practiced some basic magic she can cast prestidigitation or something or she can make a little image or something and she'll uh you know make it seem like like jurassic park style how when when ellie pretends to be stuck in the little in the little cubby Mm -hmm. and the velociraptor runs at her (laughs) maybe the she makes a little image of her like trapped in a tree and the guy goes to investigate one of the pirates goes to investigate and he's like ah ha ha little girl you thought you'd take this unicorn from us we're gonna get it eventually and the unicorn is hiding in the bushes and runs out at full speed and spears him you know like (laughs) all of these kills are done by seven 
setting up weird elaborate traps like this. I, I would love like... to see all of the different weird traps they oh can set Oh my god, up. I think every time someone is like stabbed by a unicorn, they then like, they open their mouth and like and a rainbow. rainbow like shoots out. They're like, blah! Just That's like... definitely what happens. Yeah, oh they, they bleed rainbows. Perfect. Rainbows shoot out of their eyes. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, glitter flies out of their butt when they do it. Yeah, so great. I, I love this. I, okay, so I like this. So this is one idea of a trap, right? I think we should leave it. I here. do want to leave it at this, and I <laughs> want to hear from our listeners. Yes, if you have any other ideas of fun traps, fun ways that a unicorn, a grown man, and a little girl could kill a bunch of pirates. Uh, let us know, please, please send us an email. And what adventures uh, they seek after? Yes, what, what they do afterwards. Send us an email at WorldForgePod uh at gmail.com or contact us on twitter at worldforgepod mm-hmm. uh on twitter and uh, let us know what fun weird traps and and uh adventures and things this trio would get up to i because love I, this this yeah. is a great group this is a really great group i love this a lot um, <laughs> can the horse talk can the unicorn speak probably unicorn can speak like telepathically i right? think it should yeah. have i mean we've been talking about how all of these animated dads have incredible voices like yeah. it should be voiced by like patrick <laughs> the, the stewart unicorn is yes james Earl jones yeah. like yeah, yeah exactly its mouth doesn't move but like it like projects into their minds and you can just hear at the very end as they're sailing away from this island where they've left all these yeah, dead pirates exactly and he's exactly. like, in the end, it was the friends we made along the yeah. way. And they're like, holy shit, it can talk. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Well, I love that they would not learn until after yeah. they killed like 15 men together that the unicorn can talk. Right. They, they did this whole thing without communicating verbally with the unicorn. So great. I think that's awesome. So yes, please contact us with your ideas of how this unicorn would do a bunch of murders with a child and a grown man. Yes, um, and a grown man. Um, or, speaking of, wait, we have to give them names. I have a name for the girl. Oh, yes, yes, You yes. named the dad. Okay. I want, okay, I started watching Hannibal recently really Ooh, good uh, yes. i'm gonna name her abigail abigail's a great name yeah. for a little girl a great cute little street urchin named abigail yeah I like and it. i think maybe she could go by like abby or gail yeah. or i bet he would call her like he's like man you're as annoying as a bee and all this other shit <laughs> i don't know elaborate on it yeah, fans okay. Okay. <laughs> um i really like for the dad i'm kind of picturing um so we they went on like a boat journey so i'm picturing sort of like a port town maybe sort of a spanish kind of like seaside like marina town maybe his name is geraldo it's a cool name for a dad so geraldo and uh, abigail geraldo abigail and unicorn and unicorn unicorn is the unicorn's name obviously. yeah it's just called yeah. unicorn yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love that so let us know listeners what other types of adventures geraldo abigail and unicorn should or could get up to mm-hmm. we would love to hear more of this i think this is a really great prompt for all of you so i agree um, yes please send us an email again at worldforgepod at gmail.com or uh, get at us on twitter at uh, worldforgepod on twitter yeah that would just be wonderful i feel like they would ask once they find out the unicorn can speak they would ask it its name and it would say to them it's like i will tell you my name someday but not today and like every day okay. i think they wake up and abigail is like like unicorn what's your name and it's like not today. Maybe it's kind of that thing where when you know something's true name, you have power over it. Right, right? exactly. So, it so does, I think it's saying I don't trust you quite yeah. enough yet. You have to call me unicorn. Right. And that could be a big cathartic moment in their story is right. when, when it it's finally, on its deathbed or something. Yeah, it finally whispers it, its yeah, name whispers with it. its horse lips. Yeah. <laughs> right in your ear. Yeah. It's like and they're like sorry, I didn't catch that. What? What was it? I missed it. Uh that would be great. So that's that's the yeah. Temporary conclusion of this. I think this would be a fun party to revisit. It's actually. really I w- fun. I would love that. Okay, so, hooray for dads. Hooray for dads. Dads, you did it again. Yay. Um, I think now it is time for us to hop on over into the rec room. Yep. We, we've got 
Got a couple, couple good cool ones. recommendations for you here. Piper, do you want to go ahead first and give us your start. recommendation? Um, I think this first <laughs> one is just a blast. I have yet to play it myself, but it looks incredible from what I've seen. Um, yeah. If you like dads, aka daddies, yes. you need to check out an incredible dating simulator, which is called Dream Daddy, yes. in which you play a very sexy dad <laughs> and you get to date other sexy dads. It's so great. I'm pretty sure it was put together by the Game Grumps guys or I in collaboration know. with the Game Grumps guys. <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's so funny it's really great animation yeah and it's also you know like like a dating simulator is like a guilty pleasure that i think a lot of uh I, i'm sure a lot of our listeners can uh, admit to having <laughs> indulged in also if you've never played a dating sim before just like that's a great way to have fun with friends totally crack up in some beers and just see who you're gonna fall in love with absolutely we played one a few years ago called sakura santa that was like a the weird... dinosaur one yeah, no 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 that one i don't know what the dinosaur one is called um sakura santa is the one where there was it was like a Christmas-themed dating sim yeah. where there was all the weird anime, like, fox goddesses and things like that. <laughs> and we were just watching it and, like, goofing around. And it was, like, a really fun time. We just didn't take it seriously, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, it just had a lot of fun. There's and that's a- not, you know trying to throw shade on anybody who does take that kind of thing no. seriously. It's a valid genre of games, but they're, super they're, fun. they're so fun and goofy. And I think it's something that don't be afraid to go and spend, you know, a dollar fifty on Steam on a, you know, crummy quality dating simulator and just goof around with a couple of beers with your friends. It's just I think a blast. Be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else do you have for us, Sam? So uh I wanna uh quick just jump on sort of a secondary recommendation off of that one is there is, I'm pretty sure I haven't, I haven't confirmed this, but I, I've heard rumblings on Twitter of a tabletop RPG that's kind of in a similar vein to that, that I think is called Daddy Quest. Um, (laughs) I don't have any confirmation of that, but, uh, Google Daddy Quest and see what comes up. (laughs) Because I think there's a cool tabletop role playing game that's kind of similar to that. Uh, the other recommendation that I actually wanted to talk about at length is The Last of Us 2, because it's a game that came out surrounded by a lot of controversy. Um, that, you know, there was a leak a few weeks ago of some important sort of story elements to the game that a lot of people were really upset about. And I just want to say, you know, having played it now and gotten to the, you know, the leaks that people were really upset about, um, it doesn't ruin the game. It's, it's a really great game. It actually, I think is a really interesting thing to happen. And I think that, um, I think they've gone really well out of their way to tell a really bold story that is um, inclusive and interesting and goes in a new direction, a very unexpected direction. And I also think it's important that, you know, one of the sort of final outcomes of the first game is that, um, you know, Ellie wants to go on this journey because she thinks that she can kind of change the world and, and help mm-hmm. cure yeah. this disease that's just caused everything to just go to hell. Right. And towards the end of the game, a lot of agency is kind of taken away from her. And, um, you know, as she grows to trying to, to, to sort of trust and respect and love Joel at the same time, in a way he kind of betrays her by protecting her. And he, he says, even though all you, you want to die to, you know, to give up your life, to save the world, he says, you're not going to save the world. And I, I think that you are more important than saving this hellhole of a, of civilization that we have left. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of takes away that choice from her. And I think a big part of The Last of Us 2 is about giving that kind of agency back to Ellie and exploring you know, the, the fallout of that interaction and her, the, the legacy that, um, that is left by this, this sort of action and how she goes on to, to act 
you know, in the world in a, in a way where she has kind of more control than she had in the first game. And this is, we, we're not, we don't want to spoil anything. I'm not going to go any deeper into it than that, but it's a really, really good game. And, yeah, it's and been I, very beautiful. Yeah. I, I think the haters, uh, are just being silly. Um, I mean, hate is going to hate. Yeah. And by silly, I mean, like, sexist and transphobic and horrible oh, um the, the the things that people are upset about with the game i think are not problems with the game i think they're problems with the people who are criticizing it so i definitely recommend that even in spite of the criticism you you really go and check out this game because i think it's a really so far from what we've seen it's a really really beautiful and, and incredible story just like the first one was yeah um so please go and and look that up and our last recommendation here is just, uh, just go ahead and call your dad. It's Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, or it was Father's Day. Even if you're listening to this after Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, it's not too late to go yeah. call your dad or, or don't. If you don't like your dad, that's also fine too. <laughs> we, not everybody has a great relationship with your dad, but you know, your dad would probably love a call from you. Yeah. So, uh, and if you don't out. have a great re- relationship with your dad or if you don't have the pleasure of getting to see them anymore, um, maybe reach out to other yeah. father figures in your life. Or just turn to your best friend and be like, I love you, daddy. Yeah, and they exactly. probably won't think it's weird. They'll no. probably love it. They'll be turn... like, I've been waiting for you to call me daddy all of our, all of our lives. Take the headphones out of your ears. Look to your right, <laughs> then to your left. These are your children. Give them love. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yes, you've been ignoring them for so long, and it's time that you really embrace your kids. On this blessed day, we are all daddies. Exactly. And that is, I think, the best message that we can possibly leave you with this week, listeners. Yes. So uh, Find the daddy inside you <laughs> yes. and be the best daddy that you've always so, wanted. Please go out into this week and uh, and <laughs> have, have a great time. Um, please let us know if you liked these stories that we have woven for you today if you want to reach out to us we've mentioned it a couple times here already but piper mm-hmm. where can people find us if they have any feedback or any thoughts for us well you can uh find us on twitter at worldforgepod on twitter um you can also send us emails at worldforgepod at gmail.com absolutely and if you really want to support the show if you're feeling exceptionally generous uh you can leave us a review on apple podcasts or on podcast addict or on stitcher or on your podcast uh catcher of choice yes. we really really appreciate that leaving us a five-star review and a a five-star rating and review is the best possible way that you can support the show completely for free we don't ask for any money for this we give you all of these wonderful ideas totally for free so if you want to pay it forward uh go ahead and do that or just share it with a friend if you have a daddy in your life that you think (laughs) would really enjoy this episode let them know about it and uh, we would greatly appreciate it and if you give us a great review we'll we'll probably give you a shout out on air because uh we do that a lot yeah we do it a lot and it just makes us very very happy uh and brightens our days up so exactly uh, we'll go ahead and leave you all with that um we hope you all had a happy father's day we hope you all are enjoying the last of us too we hope you all are not spoiling it for anybody else uh that would be very very mean and we would prefer you didn't do that mm-hmm. and uh, we will go ahead and uh be back next week with uh, some other topic. I don't think we, I think next week we're doing another fun guest episode, yes, actually. Yes, so, we'll be talking with the Brothers Pin. Yes, the Brothers Pin. We're going to have a very fun guest episode uh, with them. Uh, probably talking about con artists, actually. Ooh, so can't wait. This will be a fun one. We had kind of con artist characters this week a little bit. So, yeah, so we've got something to yeah, build on. Maybe we'll kind of, yeah, exactly, build on this. So uh, we'll talk to you again very soon, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. We love Thanks you. So much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.